AU on the go. AU on the go. To inform on developments of the Commission. Pour informer sur les développements de la Commission. To engage and discuss AU policies and their impacts. Involver et discuter les politiques de l'AU et ses impacts. And of course, interact with our listeners on the continent and beyond. وبالطبع التفاعل مع مستمعينا في جميع أنحاء القارة الإفريقية وخارجها. Welcome to this episode of AU on the Go, where our diaspora head of division, Iman Kerr, sat with Faith Odiambo from the Directorate of Information and Communication of the African Union Commission to have a chat on one of our youth-led programs called Interfaith Dialogue on Violent Extremism, nicknamed IDOV. But first, what is IDOV? Okay, so IDOV is Interfaith Dialogue on Violent Extremism. It's a bottom-up, youth-led approach that looks at three groups of youth. It looks at the academics, and it includes people like Kulimam, who are, you know, theologists, for example. We have those who are community workers, people who reach the grassroots, and we have those who are the creatives. Also, it is an intercontinental approach. So it started with Africa Europe, then Africa Europe Middle East, and now Africa Europe Middle East and Southeast Asia. Their understanding of violent extremism is not the same. Extremism in their own communities and countries are not the same. But interestingly, all these extremist networks work across these countries, mm-hmm. all the way from the Americas to Australia. Mm-hmm. But we don't have the capability of doing that. So because youth are fast and they're creative and they can understand each other in a way that we don't understand it, it was important that they come into the policy space and that they start creating solutions and policies and supporting policies that would help sort of uh, prevent violent extremism. Part of what we do in IDOV mm-hmm, at least mm-hmm, is that mm-hmm. we bring those who radicalize because we need to understand how their brain functions. Because how, how else would you reach them if you do not understand the level of un- like the way they think, think, the way their brain works, then there's no way that you can find any solutions that would work with them. Iman and Faith were joined by an IDOV alumni with the coolest name in the world. Imam. He introduces himself and dives right into the conversation. My name is Abdul Hamid Keshk Bashiru Yandu. In the Islamic world, especially for people who follow Arabic Muslim theologians or orators, the name Abdul Hamid Keshk resonates across the Arab world. For close to more than half a century, it was a voice for the voiceless, a voice for the marginalized in the Arab Muslim community. Now that you're in this academic field and telling me about um, the Islamic law, and you have identified the challenges as being the fact that it's not really localized, mm-hmm. is this a role you feel you can play in terms of, of, of essentially mainstreaming the Islamic law? Because I'm assuming you can learn Islam, but it doesn't necessarily need to be in Arabic. The problem is, as Muslims, sometimes the dedication and then the, the passion to pursue two forms of education. It's not everybody too that, that has the resources, the funds to do so. So when I was in the university in Niger, I initiated an English class because the studies were purely in Arabic. Come and learn for free. I'm not taking anything from you. There are students from the Francophone countries who are having French classes and then they were taking money. But I said no. But you come to my class and people will be sitting on the floor together, especially when they knew that I had a university degree before coming to that university. So they felt mine was more authentic. And I always advise students who studied Islamic law in Arabic, when you come back home to Ghana, 
the Ghanaian government recognizes your certificate, but because you don't have the English language, you cannot work with the government. And then you cannot fuse and then be within the community. So go to the Ghana Institute of Languages for six months or one year, study the English language, get that certificate. The government will employ you, you can be a teacher, you can work with the Foreign Affairs Ministry yeah. to be a translator, you can, you can do you can that. You can do a lot. You can do a lot. But so how did you become an imam then? No, it's from a young age. Being with my father, studying, reading, and stuff like that. To Islamic law, there are rules that people play. Mm-hmm. You can lead a prayer. A six-year-old boy can come and lead a prayer. He's considered as an imam. A counselor, considered as an imam. So, as you grow up, the responsibilities you know, come in more, the experience, and stuff like that. So, tell us about the cool imam. As I was saying earlier on, a friend sent me a link about a program for PhD holders in Islamic law in a university in the US. So by going through that link, next to it, I saw Interfaith Dialogue on Violent Extremism, African Union program with. So I read it and I was very much interested because on the informal level, I was already engaging in Interfaith Dialogue. It was something that I was doing without even knowing. I went to a Catholic senior high school, St. Augustine's College. Find, you know, an organization that says this is what we want to do. And then we want to train people. We want to talk about it on the formal level. And at the African Union level, it, 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 yeah, it clicked. It just comes at continental level. For, at a continental level. Yeah. And then it was Africa, Europe. I was like, no, I need to apply. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I received the uh, message back that, yes, I've been picked. And astonishing, I was the only Ghanaian. And you know, funny enough, that was my, the first time I was traveling outside my country by air. Hey, yes, look at you. <laughs> I was very happy to come, and it was a very beautiful experience. It's it's something that still is is fresh in my mind. We got to the African Union, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is really the African this Union. This is where the magic happened. Wow, during the program, I think on the first day or so, there was this man who came, and then he was part of the facilitators. Mm-hmm. So he was telling us about a young man who had migrated from Mauritius to London to meet his father. After a while, he was able to trace where his father was living. He saw him, he said, no, you, I can't have anything to do with you. I have a new family here in London. So the boy, you know, frustrated and disappointed, started moving about looking for a safe place to stay. So he went to a mosque and then they gave him a place to stay and then unfortunately they radicalized him. You said they radicalized him. Do you want to explain a little bit more? Is it the misconception you were talking about? Or is it the using of verses in the Quran that are not no, it's, it's, misinterpreting it's, them? What is radicalism? No, exactly? radicalism, radicalism is, you know, giving someone an extreme ideology about a group of people, being it, uh, not accepting them. So it, they pumped some passion in him to fight anybody who is not a Muslim. So that's how they radicalized him. Because I think it's a, it's a term that is used in yes. a very, it's very loose, it's very loosely used, but mm-hmm. nobody can really explain what radicalization is. It, is it like an indoctrination? It, it's an indoctrination. Mm. It is dogma. Mm. Uh, it is misconceptions. It's miseducation. It's misinformation. Because if you don't have the right information about a group of people, you, have, you tend to have a different view altogether about them. Let me tell you a story of a young man in Ghana who was a university graduate. He read statistics at a university. He had his national service with a government agency. And the government agency was even willing to even employ him full time. After a time, he vanished. 
Later, he sent an email to his parents that he has joined ISIS in Syria because the kind of Islam that is being practiced in Ghana is not up to par. It's not the real Islam. And then he went. And there were two other people from Ghana who had joined ISIS. You know, the boy in his email was like, he needed acceptance. It was about an identity. So who is going to listen to him? And then he found a way on the internet. He found someone who quoted for him verses of the Quran and then sayings of the Prophet Muhammad because he didn't understand Arabic. It was twisted for him. Women are walking on the street without their hijab. No, it's wrong. There's alcohol being sold publicly. It's wrong. There is lottery and gambling around. You can't live in that community. It is a, it is a polluted community. A Muslim must not live there. So some of these narratives, some of these nuances that, no, this is what, must, this is what Islam is supposed to be. So these people who already have the passion for the religion he has the passion for the religion but then because he fell into wrong hands some of these things happen so this young man was radicalized in London he left them realizing that these people they were not up to par he joined a fourth group and that is where the de de-radicalization started yeah I want to chip in a point it's not about only my degree in Nigeria or Damascus in Syria or Benghazi in Libya, even in London, it happens. In New York, it happens. In Paris, it happens. So meaning that radicalization can be done in many different mediums. In many different mediums, yes. So when you speak about radicalization, it's also or like extremism, it's othering of a group or a person. So you dehumanize them. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes okay if you practice violence against them if you kill them because they're already dehumanized nice. in a way mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. then it, it justifies what happens to them but there is a difference between a radicalized mind that understands why or empathizes with why people do that and an or a radicalized violent extremist who uses violence against that group is it is it, is it wrong to say that what the cool imam project is trying to do is to radicalize in a positive way. You know, radicalization itself is not a positive word. <laughs> I don't know why it's not a positive word. It's like indoctrination. You can indoctrinate somebody Someone for to good. be good. Fine. Indoctrination is a discipline. But you know, anytime you say this guy is a radical, then. He's a good radical. <laughs> okay, fine. Yes. Yes, alternative narrative. Alternative narrative. You know, the moment we mention radical, it becomes something else. We develop the cool Imam ideology to, you know, educate religious leaders first and foremost on how to relate with their congregants or their communities. Because we want religious leaders to understand that they are not only meant for the mosque or the church, because they have they have power. They are very powerful. People come to them for counselling. The governments relate to them civil society organizations, individuals. So their power and then their influence does not remain only in the churches or in the mosques. So we want them to understand that it's not only about spirituality. No, it goes beyond that. We also want to go to the youth and let them understand that these religious leaders are approachable. So the religious leaders must bring down their wings and then open their doors for, quote-unquote, all these people that we see as bad people. Because the moment people are marginalized, they begin to have grievances. And if those grievances are not met or solved, it escalates into something else. So that is the idea of the cool imam. So the cool imam is a project, not a person. Actually, after being a project, it has become a person. 
Anybody who wants to do the cool imam project is a project, but I am the cool imam. You have embodied. Yes, I've embodied, and it has taken me across five West African countries. So the cool imam is essentially trying to provide an alternative narrative. Yes. Of how her community interacts mm -hmm. with the religious leaders. Yes. And how in religious leaders interact. Yes. With um with the with their what do you call it. No. Followers, for lack of yes. There's another face to the cool imam that is intra-religious. Because for us in Ghana, we don't have any inter-religious conflict. All we have is intra. You find a Christian defending a Muslim against a Christian in Ghana. You find a Muslim defending a Christian against a Muslim in Ghana. It's there. We have that. But the problem we have that I'm envisaging now, which is part of the, the thing that I run, is you find Muslims and Muslims at loggerheads because of sectorial differences. Not even the Shia and Sunni. Even we do the Sunni, we have that. We have the Sufis, who are more of the mystics, and then we have the Sunni Salafis, who are not the mystics. Maybe you can have dialogue yes, about it. Like. So like that's another aspect of dialogue that no. we like we, we mentioned, right? So the Kul Imam also provides space for dialogue. Yes. That most of the time is not there. What we have are discussions or debates, but not mm -hmm, dialogues, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? The long term, we want to have the Kul Imam Institute. It shouldn't be just an individual whereby we have publications, yes, publications, you know, video and stuff like that. And even as an education institute whereby we have that purposely for dialogue, interfaith dialogue, prevention of violent extremism, just to specialize on that. Um, Not an institute to teach religion or stuff like that, no. Okay. An institute to talk about, you know, dialogue. Just to explain it in a, in a, in a very short sentence about the cool imam project just explain explain this to me in a very short sentence the cool imam in a short sentence is bridging the gap mm. and that's it bridge the gap take up the lens and see the person as the human being that it is and then bridge the gap get the person closer to you and listen to them you might not for example when it comes to religion you might not necessarily accept the person's religion but then listen to the person so you're teaching tolerance tolerance cool imam is not just about muslim yes, leaders yes yes, yes the cool yes. imam is about religious leaders yes, so the cool yes. imam can be a pastor yes could be a cool pastor the yes. idea is the idea about is religious bridging leaders. the gap between religious leaders and communities yes. it's a catchy name Imams are known to be, you know, like you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. they have the beard, they're strict, they're tall, they're old. So, like, they are far away, removed from everybody. So, the idea of Kul Imam is bringing religious leaders, regardless of what religion you are, to the people. This is the idea of, of yes, Kul Imam. Yes. So, and, and it is a movement, right? It's a movement. It's a Hashtag Kul Imam. Hashtag Kul Imam. Can be found on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. I mean, Kaisid has seen it. Uh, religions of peace. So the Kul Imam project now was, was posted and we have six projects uh, that will be running that has Kul Imam, aspects of Kul Imam. Wow. One of them is between Sudan, Eritrea, Ethiopia border. One of them is between Uganda, Kenya border. One of them is between Tanzania, Mozambique. And again, between Mozambique and Tanzania, but various areas. One is in Tanzania based, one is in Mozambique. There are others. But the idea is that this cool Imam concept is going to be there. One of the projects is actually developing a cartoon. So it, it's a character, a character that will be part of a game and a character that will be in social media. So it, it will be so that people can relate to that character mm -hmm, as mm -hmm, the cool mm -hmm. imam character. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the last idol, we actually learned that there was a, a Buddhist monk who realized that one time there were issues. He was from Thailand. So he was sitting somewhere and he said that 
he was sitting with children and then he pointed at a community saying that we need to go to the community and we need to support the community and then one of the children was saying that but that community has bad people and he's like who's the bad people and he was pointing at Muslims because they always had challenges in Thailand between the Muslims and the Buddhists but not between the people themselves it's because of socio-economic <laughs> grievances so he said that if somebody who's nine years old can speak about hate and bad people, mm -hmm, then we mm -hmm. need, I need to start working with them. Mm -hmm. So he created a cartoon. Okay. So he has a cartoon of him in comic books and in small posters and etc. that speaks to young children about interfaith and dialogue and tolerance and all of that. So maybe cool Imam the cartoon. Yes, yes. Next. Yes. And then the institute. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. What last word do you have to say? Yeah. Cool Imam. That's all you have to say. Cool Imam. Cool Imam. Salam. Salam. Peace. AU on the go. AU. Ladies and gentlemen, that ends this episode of AU on the go. Remember to stay home and wash your hands to keep safe from coronavirus. But where you need to be out in public, observe the most strict of social distancing. My name is Enes Kaliza. I was your host for this episode. Be there for when we bring you the next episode. Cheers. AU on the go. AU on the go. You on the go. Hey, you on the go.